Welcome back to the Dealmakers Podcast Show with serial entrepreneur Alejandro Cremades, best-selling author of The Art of Startup Fundraising and co-founder at Panthera Advisors. In this podcast, we ask our guests about their successful acquisitions and financing rounds. So this episode is brought to you by NorthPass Business. Against small businesses and startups, they often work with limited resources and reduce costs wherever possible. While this is sometimes practical, cybersecurity is one area where you don't want to cut corners. Creating strong, unique passwords for your company's accounts is a surefire way to defend your business from data breaches. However, with the number of personal and work logins we use daily, it's very easy to get password fatigue, leading to reusing the same passwords across accounts. So NordPass Business is a powerful password manager for organizations that removes the difficulty of generating and remembering strong passwords for you and your colleagues. Additionally, it allows for you to integrate single sign-on with your company's Google Workspace accounts and effortlessly create groups to share sensitive information across teams and projects. So see NordPass Business in action now with a three-month free trial by going to nordpass.com forward slash Pantera and use the code Pantera. This episode is brought to you by Basecamp. So Basecamp is a project management and team communication application that has been around for about 18 years, and it's used by thousands of companies today. Basecamp is all about simplicity. It is designed to give you and your team the tools you need to get work done. They have message boards, to-dos, file storage, chat calendar, and much more. Basecamp is built to help you in getting out of your way and let you focus on what matters. Again, you know, like when you're adding a bunch of people, there's a bunch of files that need to be shared. You need to be effective. And that's where Basecamp comes in. They actually are from the guys that brought to you 37 signals. And really, they help in making decisions simple and also effective. So go to Basecamp. Their pricing is simple and they give you the all, all really the features in a single plan. No upsells, no upgrades. Go to Basecamp.com forward slash dealmakers and try Basecamp for free. No credit card required and cancel at any time. Thank you, Basecamp, for sponsoring this episode. All righty. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dealmaker Show. So today we have a very exciting founder, you know, joining, you know, a founder that is making it happen, you know, in Latin America, in Brazil. You know, honestly, you know, we're going to be talking about all the good stuff today. We're going to be talking about building, scaling, financing, you know, all the good stuff that we like to hear. And I find that the story of our guest today, you're going to find it, you know, really incredible. So without further ado, let's welcome our guest today, Rafael Stark. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So originally born in Brazil, Rafael. So uh, give us a little bit of a walk through memory lane. How was life growing up? I grew up in a country in the middle of Brazil, no for farming and cows. <laughs> and um, I, I, myself, I'm self-taught, so I always like it to study and learn stuff by myself. I got accepted. I, I started work early when I was like 16 after I lost my father because I'm the oldest brother, so I have to help my mom and my family. How many, how many siblings, eh, Rafael? I have more, two brothers. Two brothers. And I'm wondering, obviously, you know, as an entrepreneur, you know, dealing with uncertainty, I'm sure that those were really uncertain and, and difficult times for the family. So what do you think you, you learned, you know, as a human being, you know, from going through something so, so difficult, so tough, like losing your father so early? 
Yeah, yeah, it's it's super painful uh, to to loss of father, especially because he he was he was the provider of the house, so it was super hard for my family in that period. I don't know if this helped me or it's just me uh, to work harder, you know, and try to learn stuff and make money and get a job. Uh, since like sixteen, I, I always try to be like financial independent from my family. So when I was like 20, I got accepted in the best engineer school in Brazil. It's ITA is like kind of Brazilian MIT equivalent. So, you know, I moved to, to Sao Paulo, the, the, the most expensive uh, state in, in, in Brazil. I, like, I, I, I teach like uh, math, chemistry, physics in order to make some money. I did like uh, summer jobs. I started coding and selling software research in, in schools, like uh, in physics, uh, to make some money. So I tried different stuff over time, like to, to provide myself and send sometimes money to my family to, to support them. You know? So I think the bad stuff that's ha- happened in our lives sometimes push you to do more than uh, other folks that stud and work together with you. A hundred percent. Now, for you, obviously, you know, you you were you were alluding to it. You studied engineering, but I know that one thing that was pretty incredible for you as an experience was to be able to go abroad and come to the United States. You know, you had the exposure to you know places like Stanford and and things like that. So, you know, what what opened up for you? I think first uh, I improved my English. Uh, I'm still working on that, but that period <laughs> of time my English was like awful. <laughs> One of the first classes that I took at West was public speaking. I was terrible. <laughs> I was terrible on that, but that helps helps a lot on, on improve my my English. So it's the first thing I improve my English. So the second things is some cultural difference. So Brazilians act in a way, U.S. citizens act in another way. So it's clearly different. Some 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 events that people behave differently. So I think it was a shock and opened um, my mind a little bit. And the third thing is I think the, the schools, uh, the colleges are meaningless. And the, the, it's a different approach than Brazil because Brazil is super technical. I just took like engineering, super engineering classes versus in US, you took like few, some major engineering class, but you can like take some some class in other areas that's not in engineering so i think this is super nice and complements your interest in your case also i mean while while you were literally doing your studies i mean you were alluding to earlier that that going through the experience you know the, the family tragedy that, that happened and and obviously the challenges you know that you learn you know the importance of making money uh and one of the things that you did while being in university, that's when you started, you know, to develop apps and to really, you know, start taking a look at what entrepreneurship looked like. Is that right? Yeah. One super interesting story that came in my mind right now is when I was at Stanford, I, 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 I took like, uh, I studied one quarter at Stanford. So I, I took a few classes. One of them was technology entrepreneurship. So during the, uh, the, the classes, we were, uh, we have to, Developing uh, uh, an idea of a startup and try to pursue and to pitch that, you know, and think about business and create a business. But when I was at at at, at Stanford, um, 
I need to make money, you know. <laughs> so I I I did a a party in my apartment, uh, and I arrived like two hundred people. You know, in my apartment was a a, a specific party in Brazil. It's called a Festa Junina. So it's a June a June party. So it's super traditional in Brazil. So I invited all the internationals, uh, and two hundred people arrived in my place. You know, and I was thinking, hey, if I make five dollars, you know, for each people here. Uh, in a open bar party in, in Brazil, super common we call open bar party. That basically you buy a lot of drinks and people came to your house and they pay like uh, five five dollars five you know bucks ten bucks you know in order to to participate of the party to help with the costs you know. And I I did a a, a party uh, that I charged like five bucks and buy a lot of uh, like uh, alcohols and music DJ stuff like that. I, I didn't have money. Like I borrow five hundred dollars with my friends, and go to Walmart, like buy a, a, a lot of drinks. And that day, I I, I did like two thousand dollars in a in a single party. In my in that period of my life, it was too much money, you know, in a single night. No kidding. Now, 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 for you now, obviously, you know, you got a good glimpse there of of what it looked like to to really, you know, come up with an idea and 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 provide value and extract value. So, at what point do you, you know, start to really incubate the idea of what would be your first uh, company Hummingbird? Yeah, so basically in that period, uh was my last year of college, I started to learn how to develop iOS and Android apps. And uh, and I launched two mobile apps in in 2013. So when I back to Brazil, I graduated. So I I need to start to make money. So I start pitching. Hey, I know how to create apps. So I launched two mobile apps in these stores. So if if anyone have projects, just hire me. And then a company hire me. So but but I need to in order to receive money, I, I need to open a, a company, a tax ID because. Um, to, in order to receive, you know, so I opened my first companies, Hummingbird. So I started myself with my computer, creating some apps for companies. Yeah, so this is how I basically start Hummingbird. That's a software house or a product and a studio to develop iOS, Android apps, websites, APIs for companies in Brazil. So you actually grew that to, you know, make some good money. You know, you were making, you know, a few million, let's say, a year, and 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 basically, you know. Something happened because, you know, the idea, obviously, of Stark, which is what you're doing now, you know, really came about. But, I mean, here you are. You know, you're operating a company that is generating good money and uh, you're making a good living. So how did the idea come about? And at what point you're like, hey, I think that I got to, you know, close down, you know, my current shop and, and go all in on this one? Yeah, it's, it's a super tough decision, you know. Uh, so basically, in 2013, I launched these two mobile apps, but they they were, wasn't a success, you know. And it was just me, you know. I it wasn't like a kind of startup, world, but I like it the feeling of create a product, launch a product. And with uh, my hummingbird, in order to scale, I need to sell more projects and in order to deliver these, those projects i need to hire more developers and so I, I have to scale with people and super expensive scale versus i launch a product and scale with like uh users uh, that scale with like uh, servers you know 
so I, I and, and and when I create a soft uh, apps for other people, products for other people, I sometimes I you know I want to create something, but the people wants that I I do other things and I want to sell, you know. So I create whatever the person, uh, whatever the yeah the person wants but i myself i'm a product guy so i love to talk to customers understand what exactly they want to use and, and design and, and, and launch you know so i want I, I always want to create a, a scale of product versus scale like my consulting company hummingbirds and in the and i i, particip, I participated in like 10 different projects and I always want this to, to launch my own project, my own product. StarkMake, the idea came super early in 2000, in the mid of 2018. Colgate approached us. They, they need to, they want basically in this project to send uh, money back to their customers. And okay, understand the refund system. We, we need to create a um, approval flow and then connect to a, uh, wire transfer API so you can do all the cash outs and Colgate say okay it's an amazing product but how we're going to settle those transactions and as myself as a developer I got used to connect to a lot of APIs from Uber not in that period Uber but Google, Stripe uh, Twilio a lot of good players and I start searching for an API for some wires, wire transfers in Brazil and I talk to banks, to fintechs, to payment gateways, and no one have it. Then I said to make it, you know. And but in the beginning, I tried to keep Hummingbird and starting prototype StarBank, uh, but was a mess in that period. So uh, because it's hard to find a good CEO, you know, someone that could lead Hummingbird and make it being profitable and keep increasing revenue. And I was creating StarPix. So, so I, I found I found a period of my time that I had to take a decision. Or, or I focus on Humbert or I focus on StarPix. I could not do both in parallel, you know. And uh, I don't know, my heart and my... I always want to, 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 to create a, a product. And I think, hey, this could be super, super big versus this the software house that was providing me good money. But I, I knew that it's going to be harder to scale because I need to scale with people versus StarPank that I could scale servers and scale like transactions and new users, stuff like that. So I could do this with a small team. So I decided to stop Humbert and focus entirely on StarPank. Was it like an overnight thing or did you keep both in parallel in order to finance a little bit the operation of Stark? I keep both in parallel like for like four months maybe. And I was cashing burning in, in Hummingbird. I was cashing burn Stark Bank. And I had like my own capital, the money that I make entirely in my life during my, the Hummingbird period. So I started to stop Hummingbird and discontinue all the activities. And, and puts every single penny in Stark Bank, you know. So I have to fire like seventy percent of the Hummingbird and pick the thirty percent and, and put they focus one hundred percent of the time Stark Bank. And in in the beginning, Stark Bank was a, a API for for send wires. I 
didn't think, hey, I'm going to create a bank. It was too ambitious for me in that period of time, no? So we'll get back to our conversation in a minute. But if you're an entrepreneur or a sales leader, you want to listen to this. Let me tell you about Wingman. Not, no, no, not Tom Cruise. Wingman is a conversation intelligence tool that helps folks like you coach and scale up their sales teams really fast, really easy. Now, I know you know scaling is not just about hiring. Getting the team up to speed can be the real speed bump. Well, Wingman can help you in getting that. It lets you build call libraries with game tapes relevant to every sales situation, complete with highlights and notes, and it's Asynchronous, I mean, repeatable sales training engine. Not just that, Wingman even helps during sales calls with contextual battle cards and monologue alerts. The great thing about Wingman is that it plays nice with all your existing tools like Salesforce, HubSpot, Zoom, Teams, and Google. It even syncs up with Slack so you don't have to log into your CRM all the time for deal updates. So head over to trywingman.com to give it a try. That is T-R-Y-W-I-N-G-M-A-N.com is just the wingman your sales needs to really predictably beat revenue targets quarter after quarter. This episode is brought to you by Partner Hero, which provides customer service outsourcing that's built for the needs of scaling and high-growth startups. They offer flexible terms, fast onboarding, and the ability to scale teams quickly. Perfect for fast-growing business. I mean, let's face it, you know, you're all startups. You know, it's time for you to really stop trying to do absolutely everything. You need to get yourself out of the supporting box so you can actually focus on growing your business. So again, Partner Hero is flexible. They have quality assurance. They have offices around the world to really provide that help and support that you need. And if you're ready to bring in outside customer support help for your startup that feels like it's part of your existing team, then check out Partner Hero. Head over to partnerhero.com forward slash dealmakers to book a free consultation with their solutions team and mention that you heard about Partner Hero from Dealmakers and they'll waive the setup fee. And, and, and what ended up being the business model of Stark? How do you guys make money for the people that are listening to get it? Today is different, you know. Uh, so basically today we, we make money in every possible way. We, we basically, today Stark makes help companies to receive money, send money, so do the cash management. So uh, in receive money, receive from their customers, uh, in pay money, uh, pay payroll, pay all the providers, uh, taxes, utilities. So we basically help companies to receive in uh, millions of payments or pay millions of people in a scalable way and makes reconciliation, understand what everything, what, what's going on. So we, we make it super easy for, for companies to do it. Uh, so we charge flat fees per operation in those cash management products, uh, like 50 cents, example, you know, 50, 50 cents per transaction. In corporate cards, is everything's free. So we give cards to, to, to companies, spending controls. We help them to manage their expenses, super easy. We receive an interchange from, from MasterCards. Uh, we, of course, make money with floating because we receive deposits. We are on the way to launch fixed income investments, so basically bonds that yield interest. So we're going to receive a take rate over, over that to help uh, our customers. Forex, we receive an interchange over Forex transactions. Yeah, so different sources today. 
And and why in your mind, because obviously you 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 have the engineering angle and 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 you're very much product driven, but why in your mind, you know, the best products always win against, you know, maybe crappy products with great marketing? Well, uh, I think if you're starting a startup that you are the first one to launch it, one of the kind, you know, maybe uh, Uber can be an example of that, maybe Airbnb, you know, you can be launched fast, you know, and, and don't worry too much about quality of the product, you know, because you have to be fast and launch fast and scale fast before people start to copy you. But when you launch in a market that is red already, there's a lot of competitors, you cannot be just a little bit better, you know? Because if, if you put yourself in the shoes of the consumer, if you have a you know the biggest private bank in Brazil versus Stark Bank and not that a bank that people don't know, you know. And if you create just just think just a little bit better, people would prefer the the big the big uh, bank, the big brand, you know, because it's more trustful. Uh, but once you create a product that has a much higher quality, there's a huge difference, and people can see it. They are willing to take the the try, you know. They give you a try, so and then they follow if your product deliver what it should be delivered as a good product, good quality. People will love your product. And if your if your customers love your product, the, the willing that you have success is much higher versus you create a super basic product or you know. So I I leave this myself because we start starting with super a little money, you know. Um, before like 2000, the end of 2021, we leave it with two million dollars in like. 2019, 20, and 21, we lived three years with $2 million. So it's super little money. So we always invest in product and technology. We didn't invest in marketing in other areas much, no? And this helps, like, keep investing in the products and making it better every single month, you know, every single quarter, every single year. Helps we scale a lot, you know? And today, we last quarter, we did $3 billion in TPV. In one single quarter. And now in terms of the capital raising efforts, I know that you guys have raised quite a bit of money. How much capital have you guys raised to date and what has been the experience of raising that money? Yeah, as I mentioned, like in the past three years, we've raised like $2 million. And in the end of 2021, December, we raised our Series A, uh, $13 million. And three, uh, three months later, we raised our Series B. <laughs> Uh, three, four months later, we raised our Series B that we raised $45 million. So total, historically, like $61 million. But that's interesting because typically you would leave at least 18 to 24 months in between one financing cycle and the next. So why in this case, just three months after you guys raised the Series B? Basically, I think our Series A was too late. You know, we, we were... Numbers, revenue, TPV, uh, way bigger than normally a series a compass that raises a series A usually, because uh, I have a super hard time to raising money, and because I was talking to the the company that leads our series B Ribbit, they are 
amazing investors. And we were talking for more than one year and we keep growing every single month. So once we receive the term sheet for the Series A, we three months later, we triple our numbers in three months. We triple our numbers in three months. And they say, hey, you're skiing a lot. You know, we're talking for one year already and you, you received your term sheet and in three months, you triple the numbers. You know, we are, I don't know exactly what they think, but I think they probably think, hey, we are thinking too much, overthinking about you guys, you know, and they and, and they put a term sheet on our CB. So we basically, we received the term sheet of our Series B in the day that I I was signing uh, the uh, the equity round of the Series A, you know, in the same day. So because I received the term sheet, so the process, due diligence, everything closing was like three, three four months. And then when I went, okay, today we're going to sign the documents of the Series A closing. I received the term sheet of the Series B in the same day. So it was super amazing. <laughs> wow. And and how is it to raise money from people like Jeff Bezos? Uh, we raised from uh, Business Expedition is his uh, funds because as as I I had a hard time to raise from like uh, our Series A, especially with the Brazilian best funds, they didn't understand our thesis. So I started raising from angels and starting bringing some super amazing founders as angels. So during the day, I bring like the Brian Armstrong, the CEO of Coinbase, uh, Slack, the founder uh, of Slack, so sorry, Stuart, the founder of Slack, uh, Sergio, CEO of uh, the Loco, Dylan from Figma, Ryan from Flexport, recently Joey from Airbnb, the CEO of Airbnb, there's a lot of names. Uh, probably forget some of them. And how, how how do you do it? How do you do that? I mean, this sounds like the Oscars of the venture world. I mean, how how were you able to get all the big? I mean, those 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 investors too. I mean, those are the best ones because they have that background, operational expertise. They've been there. They know exactly the journey. Uh, I always say that the best investors are the ones that have been founders in the past, or that are founders themselves. So, what, how were you able to really get those big names? Yeah, basically, first, Startbank has like super growth, you know, so we have numbers, we're scaling, we, we're, we're doing something that um, we're scaling, so it's, it's, have numbers helps a lot, you know. And second thing, yeah, I'm always the founder that I ask, I, I love to ask advice. I, I always to uh, have, uh, to like to have mentors and learn, you know. So I always try to, hey, to talk to other founders and, hey, this is what I'm doing. What do you think about that? Could could you give me some advice? And the founders kind of like me. And okay, this guy is kind of nice, and he's doing something good. He's he's skiing a lot. And then I ask them to to introduce me introduce me to another founders, you no. Know? And so and 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 some of those founders think, hey, Stark is interesting, and and their valuation is low, so why not investing, you know? Uh, but I think uh, Loki, uh, he, he leads our Series A. He helps a lot to bring some of those, those founders. He has super good connections. And we did a YC, so I think a, a little bit helps. Uh, I did YC, Y Combinator. And Loki, especially Loki, uh, brings like half of the founders. Uh, because I, I, I mentioned, hey, I want to bring founders. I love to have founders as investors because I can call them and ask advice. And after raise our B, 
I, I, I wanted to bring business because I knew that he invests. So I tried once and fail. I tried twice, fail, third time fail. And then in the RB, I try again. And this time I got to his family office, the best expedition. And they review our numbers and they, and, and they create a memorandum for business and he likes and decide to invest. And That's I'm very excited to have, you know, a guy that born in, in Goiás, the middle of nowhere in Brazil, like has uh, all of these founders, amazing founders as, as, as investors, you know, as partners. I would never imagine this reality, you know. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Now, now, I know that you've talked in places like Web Summit and you've talked about the importance, too, of profitability. So tell us what are your thoughts, you know, around profitability when it comes to hyper growth? Totally. I think uh, usually the mantra in fintech, like startups in general, actually, is scale, increase revenue. So usually startups uh, burn no matter uh, raise a lot and burn a lot to like scale their revenue. Uh, but I think they forget something about, think about operational efficiency, you know, because it's super important to, okay, it's good to raise money. It's good to burn and invest on your operation to grow, but uh, it's good to spend those money super in a smart way. You know, just, it's not spent to spend. So as we start with super little money, uh, we have to invest a lot in, in operational efficiency, like automation, because we didn't have money to hire a lot of engineers and a lot of folks. So we invest a lot on automation to to reduce costs. Because uh, before we raise a lot of money, we have to have a balance between uh, create features, invest in our product to increase revenue, and invest a time to reduce costs and aut automation. So it was balancing increase revenue, reduce costs, you know. So we are always investing in this 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 balance, and I think this helps a lot to and and myself. I I always thinking have a small quantity of people, but remarkable people, good people versus hire a lot of people. So I think this is the first mistake of startups is to, okay, raise a lot of money and start hiring a lot. You know, uh, probably companies in, in our, our uh, size are, would have like 300 people, 500 people, 1,000 people. You know, we are 60. And we were starting to process a billion a month with like 20 people. And that, that, that's so true, though, Rafael. I think that you're absolutely right on because, you know, when it comes to success, you know, people are talking about, and I think that you nailed it, they're talking about money raised. They're talking about the amount of employees that they have. I honestly think that the real metric for success is revenue per employee. Totally. Actually, no. Re revenue per employee will, would give you, like, the efficiency of the company yeah. per employee, right? Because uh, I agree with you that companies think that metrics of success is the amount of employees, you know, they have it or how much they raise it. I think it's not a metric of success because if you raise a lot of money and you don't have used it for that, you just, uh, you, you, you have a high dilution. It's not yeah. good for you. 
having a high dilution. You know, I'm today super sensitive about dilution. I think you have to raise enough money, the minimum money that you need, you know, because you can raise later in a better valuation uh, and you can control better the dilution. And employees, uh, people are amazing, you know, uh, and and in a business is about to group of people together to solve a problem. But having a lot of people can bring a lot of troubles, you know. Uh, there's noise, uh, there's uh, alignment problems, people's problems, uh, usually. Oh, yeah. uh, ego, you know, is, this is one of the uh, bad parts. Uh, and and I think by having a, a small group uh, that people can focus. So a metric of success, in the end of the week, success is create a huge business that serves society and create a huge value for, for, for society, for your customers. You know, I think this is success, you know, and you can metric that by like revenue, profit, profitability, some mm. metrics that you can measure like the, the impact or the value generated by, by, by a company. You know? So now let's go, let's go here back to start. So imagine you go to sleep tonight, Rafael, and you wake up in a world where the vision of Stark is fully realized. What does that world look like? We just uh, acquire JP Morgan. Kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Kidding. So, kidding, guys. Uh, <laughs> or not. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, so, so why don't you expand? You know, what, what else would it look like? No, I, I think like uh, to be realistic, I think um, um, the, the idea behind this to create uh, yeah, one of the biggest uh, uh, and good banks in, in the world, you know, should be a reference in the world for like B2B banking. I think it's pretty uh, nice and, and solid plan to achieve. And you've also now been branching into different directions also with Stark Infra. So you have Stark Bank and now Stark Infra. So tell us about this too. So uh, Stark Infra and Stark Bank is a store similar to Amazon and AWS. So basically, uh, in order to keep growing, uh, Amazon needs uh, cloud and, and, and computer processing capabilities. So they create another company, AWS, to serve that because they need it. Uh, and if you look StarkBank, we are a financial institution in Brazil, and we need uh, connections to the central bank to process all the payments and receivables that we're doing. We need connection to MasterCard to issue our cards. So, and, and of course, when you start it, a financial institution cannot, hey, central bank, give me a license. No, you, you, you have to start partnering with banks, other banks, other financial institutions, and they are pretty bad, you know. So we, all the operational problems historically that we had was with partner banks because they have failed, a lot of failures, you know. And so in order to, to give to our customers the excellence that we want, we decided to, once we got our license with the central bank in the October 2020 to create uh, Stark Infra. So create the API to connect to the central bank, create APIs to connect to MasterCard, but in a way that we can open later for, for other companies that we open this year to other another companies to use it. And Stark Bank use this those this service in the same way that any company can could use it. You know, so we can feel the pain to use our our own product. So we have this culture in Stark Bank where we force it our team, our developers, everything to to use Stark Bank products 
to feel the pain to use this, this, those products because this helps us to improve the products to our customers have a way better experience using them. Got it. Now, imagine, you know, you had the opportunity of having a chat with your younger self, you know, grabbing that uh, younger Rafael that, you know, perhaps he's still, you know, in college, you know, wondering about how to create, you know, uh, uh, solutions, you know, that will cover certain problems that you're encountering, you know, and, and, and put a, put a, you know, a covering that gap into the future that you're living into. And, and let's say you had the opportunity of having a chat with that younger Rafael and, and, and giving that younger Rafael one piece of advice before launching a business. What would that be and why, given what you know now? It's a complex question because like, uh, usually I think people would try to give advice to avoid mistakes. But I think mistakes are super important because because of those mistakes, uh, you, you become the person that you you are right now. You know, so I could back to to reference say, hey, start Stock Bank uh, in 2013. You know, no bank start uh, in this year. Uh, and but Rafael was not ready ready for that. Uh, I think I I would probably say to Rafael, hey, I think it's important to have a mentor because you're gonna to upgrade faster. Your knowledge, your skills versus because Rafa figure I figure out a lot of things by myself alone, you know. But it just takes more time versus have like founders, mentors that could advise and you learn faster. I think I would probably back to Rafa and say that have, find, try to find a good mentor. I love it. So, Rafael, for the people that are listening, what is the best way for them to reach out and say hi? I'm super. Yeah, I'm super open. Uh, I, you guys can message me on LinkedIn. You guys can email me. My, my email is super like rafael at startbank.com. Rafael with F, not PH, with F. So just mail me or send a message on, on LinkedIn. Amazing. Well, hey, Rafael, thank you so much for being on the Dealmaker Show today. It has been an honor to have you with us. Thank you for the invite. It's an honor to be here uh, and thank you for having me. If you like the show, make sure that you hit that subscribe button. If you could leave a review as well, that would be fantastic. And if you got any value, either from this episode or from the show itself, share it with a friend. Perhaps they also appreciate it. So also remember that if you need any help, whether it is with your fundraising efforts or with selling your business, you can reach me at Alejandro at PantheraAdvisors.com. You've reached the end of another episode of the Dealmakers podcast. For free resources and materials, head over to alejandrocremades.com. Thank you for listening and see you at the next episode.